Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. scripture today is Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 to 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. When is the last time you attended a wedding? A wedding ceremony, notwithstanding some modern aberrations, is a formal event. The bride and groom would never dream of showing up to the ceremony in dirty cut-off jeans and a t-shirt. Nor would the wedding guests run over from a sweaty workout in the gym and sit in the pews dripping wet, reeking of body odor. That's simply not appropriate for a formal wedding occasion. In our gospel lesson in Matthew 22, Jesus tells a parable about people who were invited to a wedding for the king's son and refused to come, and then about one guest who showed up to the banquet dressed completely inappropriately. When an ancient king's son or daughter was married, everyone wanted to attend. It was a grand community event. Times haven't changed in this regard. 
called the wedding of the century, the marriage ceremony of Lady Diana Spencer to Charles, Prince of Wales, in 1981, was attended by 3,500 guests in St. Paul's Cathedral. Another 750 million people watched the ceremony worldwide, and this figure rose to a billion when the radio audience was added in. In April 2011, Prince William Diana's son and Catherine Middleton were married at Westminster Cathedral with 1,900 invited guests. Another estimated 2 billion people watched the wedding ceremony on TV. It would have been unthinkable that anyone officially invited to the royal wedding would fail to show. In this parable, a king invited many guests to his son's wedding and everyone refused to attend. In Luke 14, we discover that they all gave various excuses. Some said, I bought a piece of land and have to go look at it. Another said, I have five yoke of oxen and I need to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've married a wife, so I need to be excused. By the way, these are the three excuses commonly given to disregard the invitation of our Lord Jesus. Money and possessions, business obligations, and relationship distractions. These are the big three that people use as excuses not to bring their lives into alignment with the invitation and blessing of the king. Now in our story, others who were invited mistreated the king's messengers and killed them. So the king was enraged and had the murderers destroyed. Then he sent his servants to invite whomever they could. Go into the streets, the highways and byways, and invite all you see. So the servants went out to the streets and invited everyone they saw, good and bad alike. They filled the banquet hall with guests, which is what the king wanted. But then the king noticed a guest who was not wearing wedding garments. Everyone else was appropriately attired, but this one man alone. The king told his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus concluded the parable by saying, For many are called, but few are chosen. Now at first reading, this story may seem difficult to understand, but if we look at it closely, we discover that it contains important gospel truths. In this story, each person represents someone. The king is God. The king's son is our Lord Jesus Christ. God in his wisdom made a marriage between his son and the church through the mystery of the incarnation. We who believe and follow the Lord Jesus are the bride of Christ. The original invited guests are God's people Israel. The mistreated and murdered servants are the prophets of the Old Testament, God's messengers. The people invited from the streets are Gentile believers, you and me. This, then, is a parable of how the nation of Israel rejected and killed the prophets, refused their Messiah Jesus, and lost their place at God's wedding banquet. Verse 2 says that the king prepared a wedding feast. The dinner prepared is the word of God, the feast of the gospel banquet. 
This dinner was prepared over the long years of Old Testament history by the giving of the law and the prophets. God superintended world events to make everything ready for the appearing of His Son, the Messiah. This story also describes the desires of God's heart. What does God prize above all else? Humility and faithfulness. It is humility which allows us to hear the invitation of the king to take our seat at the gospel banquet table. It is faithfulness that keeps us believing upon God and trusting him to accomplish the outworking of salvation in our experience. What is crucial in this parable is our response to the invitation of the king. To modern man, religion is a state of the soul, an inwardness, a feeling rather than an obedience. Most people today consider religion a sentiment rather than an action, something spiritual and unseen. In the Bible, true religion is not a subjective feeling, but an outward definite answer to him who is asking us to live in a certain way. In the Bible, true religion is consciousness of a total commitment to God, the realization that all of life is to be devoted to God's will and service. Our response to God's invitation must be more than religious inwardness or sacred sentiments and good intentions. It must be complete and total trust in and response to the righteousness of God revealed in the cross of His Son, Jesus Christ. In the spiritual life, there is the constant temptation to accept the invitation to follow Jesus, to receive Him, to believe upon Him as Savior, to be baptized and enter into the church, and then fail to follow the path of obedience to Him. Following Christ is difficult. It always has been. Why is it so difficult? because God is after something that requires remaking our beings from the inside out, and remaking is painful. C.S. Lewis says, The people who keep on asking if they can't lead a decent life without Christ don't know what life is about. If they did, they would know that a decent life is mere machinery compared with the thing we men are really made for. Morality is indispensable, but the divine life which gives itself to us intends for us something in which morality will be swallowed up. We are to be remade. All the rabbit in us is to disappear, the worried, conscientious, ethical rabbit, as well as the cowardly and sensual rabbit. We shall bleed and squeal as the handfuls of fur come out. And then, surprisingly, we shall find underneath it all a thing we have never yet imagined, a real man, a son of God, strong, radiant, wise, beautiful, and drenched in joy. Dear friends, this is what God is after. We are to be remade into little Christs. And that remaking process means bleeding and squealing as the handfuls of fur come out. Obedience is costly. Dying to our selfishness and pride is painful, but it is God's glorious design for His children. 
Now, what does this transforming process of following Christ look like? Being a follower of Christ means sacrificing our lives for Him. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. How do we sacrifice ourselves to God? By surrendering to Him every thought and action, the totality of our lives. Socrates taught that a life without thinking is not worth living. The Bible teaches that a life without total commitment to God is not worth living. This is why the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, and your whole mind. A total commitment to God means sacrificing to Him our time, our treasure, and our talents. We surrender our time by devoting ourselves to prayer, reading of Scripture, public worship, and service for Christ's kingdom. We surrender our treasure by being faithful with our money, tithing and giving generously to support the work of Christ's kingdom through the church locally and internationally. We offer to God our talents by doing our work in the name of Christ for the purpose of making His grace and mercy known to all. Wherever you are, working in the marketplace, retired, raising children as a mother, or serving in your local community, it is all for the purpose of influencing others spiritually and advancing the kingdom of God. We are each called to live a life that will draw people to the Lord Jesus, our friends, business associates, neighbors, and family members. God calls us to love others and to witness to them of the beauty, goodness, and truth of the Lord Jesus. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Once we have taken our seat at the wedding banquet, we then want others to join us for the feast. Now what about the man who came to the wedding in the wrong clothing? He was supposed to wear wedding clothes, but he came inappropriately dressed. The king had that man cast into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does this terrible part of the parable mean? The wedding garment is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. The man who came to the feast without proper wedding clothes represents someone who says he believes in Jesus Christ and professes with his lips to follow him, but is not clothed in the garment of Christ's righteousness. It is ironic that in 2012, 78% of Americans, and in 2019, 65% of Americans professed to be Christian, to follow Christ. 
but clearly only a fraction of this group are genuine, committed followers of the Lord Jesus. The hymn writer says, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A true follower of Jesus is one who admits his sinfulness, kneels before the cross of Jesus Christ, believes in Christ's atoning death for his sins, receives the gift of Christ's righteousness, and is baptized into the faith. Then that man or woman continues to love and obey Christ for the rest of his life. Admit, kneel, believe, receive, be baptized. Continue to love and obey. Salvation is incomplete without these actions. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to thy cross I cling. Sadly, people who claim to be Christians yet have not received Christ's righteousness nor knelt before him in daily obedience are like those invited to a wedding ceremony who enter the church sanctuary in dirty, sweaty clothes, looking like they've just finished a 5K run or shoveled dirt all day in the hot sun. Such behavior is unacceptable. Our Lord Jesus says in Luke 6:46, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? To accept God's wedding invitation is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and to obey the Son of God to submit to his remaking process of becoming strong, radiant, wise, and beautiful sons and daughters of God, drenched in joy. The phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, in verse 13, is a dreadful image referring to hell and eternal punishment. When Americans were surveyed about heaven and hell, 64% said they felt they would go to heaven when they die, and less than 1% said they would go to hell. Most people in the 21st century simply don't believe in hell anymore. They don't believe they need a personal Savior from sin and are quite sure that if there is a heaven, their good works will gain them entrance there. To make matters worse, it has become politically incorrect in most churches today even to mention the idea of hell. Belief in hell seems implausible to people because they say it's unfair that infinite punishment would be meted out for a comparably minor, to their way of thinking, false step like not embracing Christianity. It just doesn't seem fair that a loving God would send people to hell. But the biblical teaching on hell answers both these objections. First, Holy Scripture assures us that people only get in the afterlife what they have most wanted in this life. People either want to have God as Savior, Master, and Lord, or they want to be their own Savior, Master, and Lord. Secondly, the Bible teaches that hell is a natural consequence of human choices. God desires and intends that no one enter into everlasting separation from Him. But if people choose to ignore God, 
reject him, turn away from him, and disobey the scriptures, then hell is but an eternal continuation of the path freely chosen while they were on the earth. On the other hand, a soul that has decided to center its whole life and existence upon God, loving Him, adoring Him, and seeking His glory, moves towards increasing joy and wholeness, towards blessedness. Oh, friends, do you hear the glory of the gospel message? Heaven is but an eternal continuation of the path of righteousness that you freely choose in this life on the earth. Remember that this earthly existence is only the vestibule of eternity. It's only the entranceway, the gateway to eternal life. The decisions we make here do matter for all eternity. The ancient prayer says, Grant we beseech thee, O Lord, that we may reap in a joyful eternity the fruits of what we do in time. Beloved, how may we respond to this parable in a way which allows Christ to live his life in us? First, let's learn to practice active listening. Let's listen for Christ's invitation so that we hear him calling us to the wedding banquet. Will you listen to Jesus' words? Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen to the invitation of Jesus and keep on listening every moment of your life. When you hear his call, answer it. Come to the wedding banquet. It is possible to hear the gospel over and over and yet never wholeheartedly trust in Jesus. It's possible to faithfully attend church year after year and yet never fall passionately in love with Jesus. Listening friend, I urge you to come to the Lord today. Let the love and mercy of Jesus overwhelm you and draw you into his tender arms. Become a joyous participant at God's banquet table. Second, examine your life. Have you given your entire life to Christ, mind, body, soul, and spirit? Are you clothed in his righteousness or still trying to please him through your own unaided efforts. Christ himself is the wedding garment. Our divine clothes of righteousness have been woven by the one who spent all he had, that through his poverty we might become rich. In gratitude for such a precious gift, is Christ now in charge of all your time? your treasures, and your talents? Do you invest your time more in earthly or in eternal kingdom concerns? Are you letting God reshape you into someone beautiful, someone holy? I think we often underestimate the plans Jesus Christ has for our lives. 
He has so much good in store for us if we will only keep our eyes fixed on him and our hearts rightly directed towards him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Third, remember the unspeakably wonderful wedding present Jesus gave you when you first trusted upon him and believed. Sometimes at a wedding banquet, the bride and groom give each other gifts. But there is a great difference between human weddings and our marriage to Christ. We give our groom Jesus the gift of our impurity, our unrighteousness, our sinfulness, and our imperfection. We give him our heartaches, our problems, our sins, and our misery. In exchange, he gives us his purity, righteousness, and holiness. He gives us forgiveness, consolation, comfort, and unending joy. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unfathomable His mercy and love. Jesus, our bridegroom, gives us His very own body, even unto death on the cross. He washes us in His own blood. He cleanses away our sins. Then, in Holy Communion, he continues to give us his body and blood, the medicine of immortality, that he may continually reshape and transform us from within. Beloved, have you responded to the invitation of the King to come to his son's wedding feast? Do you continue to daily respond, believing him today, receiving him trusting him this moment as your Lord, Savior, and Master. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise thee for this wonderful parable of the wedding banquet. Help us take our place at the gospel feast today and every day. May we continue to respond in faith and obedience to the one who died for us. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.